Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Men of Ann Arbor podcast brought to you by the good people at New Amendment. I'm Stuart Douglas. Alongside me, as always, Nick Stauskas. Nick, what's going on, man? Not much. Excited to talk some Michigan basketball. But before we get to that, major <laughs> shout out to my boy TJ McConnell today. 29-9 and nine for the Pacers. Career night. I think he had 25 at half. was perfect from the field. That's my best friend. That's my family right there. So had to give him a shout out for that. He's just the slipperiest, like most consistent dude. He's got that funky jumper. Being in Indiana, everybody loves him because he's a Pacers guy. Like this was fun. My 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 uh, group chat, my friend's group chat was talking about it. Literally, my buddy Joe said, "God bless T.J. McConnell." And then the next text was, "I feel like he'd fit in well with our group." <laughs> it's like, can we be friends with T.J.? And I think T.J. I think that's what I've heard from you. Is T.J. is a cool dude. Great dude. Great dude. Great basketball player. Even better person. He's he's hard not to love. He's so he's like a genuine guy. He's so hardworking. Um, and the career that he's made for himself when, you know, everyone's pretty much doubted him and kind of slept on him his whole career. And he's proved to everyone that he's worthy of that roster spot every year. So I told him, man, it's about damn time you start making people pay for going under ball screens. Like people are just seriously, he, he's not a knockdown shooter, but people just disrespect him so much. Like he can't knock down any shots. And, you know, you, even if you're going to miss, sometimes you got to you gotta at least shoot it so they respect you. And, you know, I'm glad he got on a heater today and, and kind of, you know, shown what he can do. This, that's like the theme of what we've been saying about Michigan. Like, you just have to make people respect you. But the, sure. my favorite TJ story, I think you and me can kind of relate a little bit. I definitely can. You're a little different because you're taller and you're a Big Ten player of the year. But I could be anywhere on campus wearing Michigan basketball stuff. And I'd be like, you know, somebody like, what do you do? Oh, I play basketball. Really? I'm like, yeah, it's on my shirt, dude. And like TJ, my favorite TJ story is him going to the club or like to a restaurant after like a Sixers playoff game. And they're like, you don't play for the Sixers, buddy. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Like, why are you asking for a special table? And it's like, what, what does he have to do? What more does he have to do? Man, but honestly, that's that's what makes him who he is because he has that chip on his shoulder because he knows that people – are going to sleep on him. People don't really, you know, he can blend in through a crowd and no one's really going to recognize him, but that motivates him to to do what he does out there. So got to tip your hat to him. Yeah, it does. All, all the little motivations add up. Like when people don't recognize you, I had a friend the other day, I'm still way too competitive for this, a friend the other day, a friend of a friend of a friend, basically. He was like, so like you're at Michigan, like did you start as a walk-on? And I was like, Nothing against walk-ons, but I was like, no, dude, I, that's not, I played. Like, there wasn't like, the, there wasn't like a Rudy situation here. And I'm like, it'll, it'll, it'll never stop that's for disrespect. me. Disrespect. Yeah, completely. But you know, I'm, I'm used to it by now and I'm, I'm washed up playing, so I really don't care anymore. But yeah, man, crazy, crazy week for Michigan. A lot of the things that we talked about, they've done pretty well. They've improved on. Uh, so let's, let's get into the last couple games now with the X's and O's. So overall now, Michigan is God, what is their record? It's 12 and 7. No, no, yeah, 10 and 7. They're in the Big Ten, 4 and 2. They're the Iowa game away from being 5 and 1, which would be huge for them in the Big Ten. Exactly what they needed. But they're they're close. This Iowa game, this would have been a huge win. We talked about it in the last podcast, last episode, that this was exactly the type of game they needed. Like underdogs, but like Iowa 
not super great, but it would look really good on the resume. Kem, they're, they're number 32 in Kempom, which I was a little surprised with. But um, it, it was just that close. And I want to break down the X's and O's of it, like get into the minutia of it. But this seems like a game that they lost. Like they kind of – they gave it away, which, again, the glass half full, half empty thing. But to me, this seemed like they had it right there and they and they lost it, which is a good sign. But I don't know what you think watching the whole thing. They 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 played 39 minutes of in, in 20 solid seconds. basketball where they they put themselves in a position to win that game and you know obviously they give up those two threes to Peyton um you know within that last minute that ties it up and goes into overtime but you just look at the stat sheet look at the numbers and it looks like on paper they did enough to win that game obviously yeah. Jet was off that game you have solid performances around the board if you know efficiency from the field i think they're 1.15 points per possession over 50 percent from the field you know they did all the right things now defensively they did you know i think i was at 1.27 points per possession which is yeah for those who don't know it's a very that is a very high number um so obviously the defense wasn't exactly where they wanted to be but that, that loss hurts because, you know, you're a four-point play away from being, I think, tied for first in the Big Ten. And, again, just having that road belt, uh, road win under your belt would have been a huge confidence booster for them moving forward. But, again, you know, we go back to glass half full, half empty. It's it's they're, it's so hard to judge this team because they're all, it always seems like they're on the cusp of, you know, breaking through and becoming this – not powerhouse, but becoming this respectable team within college basketball. And they, yeah. yeah. And they, they keep making these bonehead moves, but I mean, I don't even want to say bonehead moves, but they keep making right. these mental errors, effort errors that are costing them these games. And it's, it's killing me. It's killing me watching them because I'm rooting for them so hard. Yeah. We've, I mean, I said it, I've said it time and time again, like I believe in the talent of this team. That's not really their issue. It's just putting together, and making less mistakes, right? That was Beeline's motto, and that's like the game of basketball, right? Like, don't give up offensive rebounds. Don't turn it over. Like, get more possessions. Be efficient shooting. Like, make the least amount of mistakes you can, and they're getting close. They're improving some things, but then it's like, yeah, back-breaking uh, offensive rebounds, back-breaking foul, you know, giving up threes, whatever the case may be. Um, this team, I mean, I don't know what the exact stat is, but they're throughout the year, like, the closest – amount of games lost by like five points or something or most games lost by wow. five points or less or something like that. It's like a wild stat. So they've been there. They've been super close and they played many different ways. And I think they've shown that they can, they are like right there. It's like, yeah. I was getting so annoyed and I got a, a hot take coming. So annoyed with the commentators with, I think it was Crispin calling the game. And then it was Crane and Greenberg at halftime. And I actually had Crane. <laughs> I got a little aggressive on Twitter. I had Crane tweet at me. Uh, that I'll save that for the end. But they were saying like, yeah, Michigan, this doesn't bode well. The pace doesn't bode well for Michigan. Like it just doesn't match up. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like this doesn't make yeah. any sense. One, the pace was not that crazy. It just wasn't crazy. What they were doing was hitting shots. Everyone was just hitting shots. No one was playing defense that well. They were just hitting shots, so it looked like there was more possessions because there was more scoring possessions than each team probably normally had. But, like, Michigan really wasn't, like, working super hard on defense. They weren't making Hunter work that hard. And then I did the numbers on what Kempom does, like, this adjusted pace. And if you took, like, overtime out of it, it was, like, below their average pace. 
So I get so annoyed when you like watch the teams. Like, I don't know, look up the stats, look up the pay, watch the actual teams. Like, you're just using fodder, like basic basketball garbage to like evaluate this team. I don't know. It wasn't fair to me. And I'm like, that's how they people view Michigan, apparently. So I don't know. They're still not quite there. They're scoring really well. Their offensive adjustancy, adjustment um, efficiency is like top what, 40 in the nation. So they're doing well there. It's just the defensive side of the ball that is huge. And to me, it starts with their off ball stuff. Like, I mean, Sanford in the last two possessions, that was a microcosm of their entire issues. And that, and the funny enough part is it came on, it was on Buffkin's shoulders. That was on Kobe's shoulders, losing him twice. Yeah. He got caught below a screen and help side. And like at the end of the game, you need to be like, I, I assume you're mostly switching everything. And then you got to be attached, especially a guy like Sanford who had gone off in the second half and you already had 19 or 20 at that point uh, or 18 or 19 or something like that at that point. And that's Kobe's job. Like you have to be at, on his hip. Like your hand should be, probably grabbing a little bit of his jersey, trying to get away with that. And, like, you're fighting around screens. So, I don't know. They're, they're really close, but um, there's just a lot of that stuff def- uh, defensively that were – it's just up and down, right? You're like, oh, that was great, that possession. And the next session, you're like, what was that? So, I don't know. Yeah, they, they've lacked that consistency that great teams have, and that's what's holding right. them back at this – which is uh, – it's one of those things where they can – I feel like they can beat anyone – any team in the country, they can beat on any given night. But then they can also lose to any team at, on any given night because they just seem to they, – their, their performance varies based on who they're playing or the half or, the, you know, who's on the court. There, there needs to be more of a consistent effort for 40 consecutive minutes to get it done at this level at least because everyone ta- everyone's talented. Every player that's on that court from both teams was a top high school recruit. They all know how to play the game. They all work just as hard as each other. So it's it's the little things. Those are you know that's what's going to make the difference. And the offensive rebounds. That's one that sticks out to me in this Iowa game. I think 14 offensive rebounds for 14 second chance points. Um, and we can you know kind of touch on the fact that they're going to start playing that two big lineup a little bit more. So yeah, maybe that will that. you know have first. Having Terrace and Hunter, you know, on the court together, maybe that will help with some of the rebounding issues. And then also, I, I feel like the last two games, uncharacteristically, there has been more turnovers than than we're used to seeing. And we've talked about this team being one of the best in the country at, at valuing each possession and taking care of the ball. So I'm not gonna, you know, get too. Uh, I'm not gonna get too ahead of myself and and you know, dive into the fact they're turning the ball over and think that's a new issue. Hopefully it's just, you know, a one or two game funk that they're in with taking care of the ball. But what I do like is with teams kind of catering their defense towards limiting Hunter's low post touches and doubling him when he gets the ball down there, it's going to force the perimeter players from Michigan to be more aggressive and score more, make, you know, make more plays, and that makes me feel a little confident because the growth that we've seen from Doug, Kobe, and Jet has been spectacular, especially in the ball screen areas, the, the playmaking, the, you know, the assists, yeah. and just the overall efficiency of their field goal percentages. These three players, those guards, can legitimately win you games against any team in the country, and that's not something that we could say a month ago. So 
from no. that from that perspective, I'm going glass half full because there's these glaring improvements that you can't ignore. And you know, especially with Jet in this Iowa game, I mean, my goodness, the the offensive show that he put on with the you know the hezzy pull ups, the step backs, the catch and shoots, the attacking the rim. It's it was again. I I I was excited to watch Jet play coming into the season. I knew he was good, but I had no idea he was this good. And I and I have a question for you: Is there any player in college basketball that has boosted their stock more this year than than Jet Howard? Like, if you think of anyone else, there is no other player that has shocked people this much in terms of just coming in hot on the scene the way he has with his confidence his size, and then the playmaking too, which is the one thing yeah. that's, you know, you can go to Northwestern, I think he had seven assists, zero turnovers. Yep. That's the thing that surprised me. I knew he I knew he was a bucket getter, but his ability to make plays too, he's had some, It. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. He, um, and especially what his frame is and how he's shooting the three ball, like all the other stuff is kind of cherry on top. Like you saw Caleb Houston get drafted almost in the first round for being six, eight and having the ability to shoot. I would imagine yeah. he had some good workouts, but you know, jet is showing a lot more than that. And just like, I mean, he's just starting with a good baseline of being six, seven and being able to shoot. And now he's showing a lot more offensively. And yeah, he's, I was talking to Sam Webb last week and he thinks that he's, you know, he's still sticking to his, uh, two years and done, and like all the rumors, even with him in the last the two games before this, last two games with his slump of shooting, really the three games before that, the slump in shooting, like teams are still salivating it for him around you know in the twenties. Now he's slowly progressing into the lottery because he's taking a lot on his shoulders and he's doing it in a way where he's not forcing the action. He's not just taking the ball and going crazy like he is it's within their offense which is it's good mm-hmm. to see i think i'm very interested to see how he does um a little bit in the interview process but a lot when they break down defensively when they break down his film defensively and those are things you teach a guy though like i think he has the ability laterally to stay with guys a little bit and he has a length to make up for it um, but the NBA is a whole different ball game, right? Like you have to be on point. Like you can be a really great player. And if your team actually doesn't need you offensively and you're a liability defensively, then, and if, and if you go to a winning team, like they're like, all right, well, we're trying to develop you, but also, you know, you're not worth it right now. So you're going to take a little longer, like, no, you know, no offense to the magic, but you can go to the magic and just, you know, put up 12 shots. No problem. They don't really care about defense. Uh, I mean, Beeline talked about it with the Cavs, like he was trying to discipline guys, for not um, doing what he wanted, especially defensively. And, you know, the the front office was like, you know, you got to play these rookies because we're developing a team. We're not trying to win in the playoffs. So it depends where he goes with everything. But I would be interested to see how they break that down defensively. I think he's – I mean, I'm thinking of like freshmen in, in the last however many years, especially since Beeline. I would say Trey is above him just because I played with him and I know what Trey – how he actually carried our team. Mm-hmm. Um and the responsibility he had from a point guard standpoint. But yeah, we haven't seen this. This is a very rare, very rare player to come through the program. I mean, you got Trey, what, Jamal Crawford, and then, you know, some guys before that, but then you got to go back to the Fab Five. So it's uh it's 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 amazing to have him be this consistent and then just keep taking, shouldering more and more and more and coming through. It's been awesome. Really, a lot of these guys in the last 10 games 
Um, that that's been the key to when they have one. Yep, I agree. I agree, and I'm I'm excited for him. You know, obviously with his with his dad being Juwan and you know being part of the Fab Five and playing in the NBA, I'm sure he's grown up with the NBA as the goal his whole life. That's um, my thing. And yeah, so like- with that. With with that being within reach now, you know I'm I'm happy for him. It's that's that's awesome for him. I'm sure he's worked really hard to get there, and you know, hopefully along the way this year he can help this team win some games and make a tournament push. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe he comes back for a second year. Maybe his dad can convince him. But man, when you're a projected lotto, that's hard to turn down. I don't care. I don't care who you are or yeah. what the deal is. That's that's hard to turn down. And. I've seen again. You can come back and hope that man, maybe I'm going to show out even more, and then I'll be a top five. But I've seen it in the reverse, where you know I played with Glenn, with Glenn Robinson and Mitch McGarry, who were projected lottery picks after our freshman year. They elected to come back for their sophomore year, and both of their stocks went way down. And it's just because that next year there was so much expectation, and it's like even if you just even if you're just a little bit below the expectation, it's not the growth that everyone's wanting to see. And then all of a sudden your stock is down and, and, Oh, maybe he's not even a first rounder. So we'll see what he does at the, at the end of this year. But um, man, I've, I've absolutely loved watching him play the confidence, the, the silky smooth offensive ability has been a pleasure to watch. Now the defense is a different story with him. And again, once he transitions to the NBA, when you're six, eight, your matchups are going to be LeBron, KD, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Like those are tough matchups, physically, mentally, body position. Scout report. There are so many things that you need to be paying attention attention to at that level. So he's got he's got a lot of growth um, needed in that area, but. Any any player who's that gifted offensively, you know they have it in them. It's just do they want it enough? And that's what it's going to come down to with him. Yeah. And especially, I mean, those guys even come off screens. Like it's not just playing one-on-one in space. Like it's a lot more defensively than just guarding those guys one-on-one. But I do want to make a comment because that Trey comparison that we made freshman wise and Trey came back and boosted his stock big time. But then you mentioned Mitch and Glenn. So I, you know, a hometown guy here that I think of was Josh McRoberts. The same thing came back and his stock went down. When you have the frame, and you and the athlete or the and or the athleticism and you show some promise i think you need to get out as soon as possible because you're not going to develop any more than you can than you will in the nba like you're just going to do your whole job now is developing basketball like there's no more school like you actually have uh people that will re- two or three people that rebound for you every day all day like it's a totally different mm-hmm. mindset you sh- i really feel like you should jump trey is a different story trey wanted to go, but Trey didn't have the frame. And there was a lot of questions there about him. And he came back and he proved that he was worthy of a first-round pick to then be given the reins. Like, if Trey would have gone out of the first year, let's say he even went in the first round, and he would have gone to a, you know, let's say 25 through 31 pick in the NBA, so in the NBA draft, so a top team, or even in the second round, you're not expected to be, you know, the man. So then you're like, all right, we can probably do without him. Like, we might be able to yeah. do without him. When you're drafted in the lottery, it's like, all right, we invested in you. We're going to give you chance after chance after chance. And Trey got mm-hmm. that with Utah. Like he got more and more and more chances, and he kept getting him in the NBA because then he was eventually able to prove himself. But 
you know, I think if, if you're in the lottery, like you got to take it because that's your chance to be exactly where you want. You just want the ability to have the chance to develop and you don't know if that's going to come back. Like, I don't know what's, what was really the difference between a 13 team and then a, and a one team. I, don't, I mean, you've seen, I've seen a lot of guys go to like the worst three teams in the NBA. And then it's like, this is miserable. It's, you know, you know, Shy Gilgis is, was miserable for a while. Uh, you've seen over and over that it's a broken record, right? You go to a top three team and then these, these rookies are amazing and then they don't win for six, seven years. Like that sucks. So that's a long winded way of saying, I think if you have the opportunity, like you should go and there's a very different situation from Trey. So if any fan wants to compare it, I think it's completely different. Um, but I do want to ask you getting back to the Iowa game and just in general, these last two games, I think we can kind of clump these together because they've been pretty similar. I want to ask you about the Twin Towers. And I think we saw the test of it against Iowa, really a commitment to it against Iowa. And then it was like, yeah, this is what we're doing now against Northwestern. And it worked a lot better against Northwestern than it did Iowa for a multitude of reasons. One being Terrace just actually finished when he caught the ball. Like, I think he got a little nervous in the Iowa game. Um, but I, I was curious your thoughts about the Twin Towers, especially against, you know, a Chris Murray of Iowa. Um, and kind of both sides defensively and offensively, like what did you like? What did you not like? Well, so I think when you play, when you play the twin towers together, I think one, you, you get a little bit more of the defensive versatility, like uh, Terrace can, you know, he can switch out and guard Chris Murray and he can also guard a big, he, he's, he's nimble. He can move a little bit more. He's going to help with the with the offensive rebounding issues that's been going on, and then the big thing for me, where he uh, where it's different than playing Terrence is with Terrace on the floor, you actually have a lob threat now, and you saw that nice play down the stretch against Northwestern where you know, Doug lobs it up to to Terrace and you know he slams it home. They don't have that. He's the only lob threat on this team. You can't really throw lobs to Hunter. You can't. Really, I mean, no one else is really going to catch that. And in today's pick and roll heavy game, you, I just, I feel like you need that. So, I do like that for them from that aspect. Now, when you start playing some really good defensive teams, my only worry, and you can chime in on this, is going to be the spacing, because now you have Hunter and I mean, again, no. Hunter can step out and shoot the three. But I just, I, I, my only worry is that the paint's going to be a little clogged up and it's going to be easier for teams to key in on Kobe, Doug, and Jet and limit their ability to, to make plays and get in the paint. Um, that, that's my only concern. But again, the Northwestern game, that lineup, once they went with those two guys, I feel like that's what changed, that's what changed the game. They went on a 10-0 run and bam, the game was kind of blown open. Um, so I, again, it... It's very early on in the stages of them of them trying this out. I think it's too small of a sample size to say yes or no on you know whether we love it or hate it at this point. But it's intriguing. It's intriguing. It showed it worked yeah. against Northwest. It showed it worked against Western. And I I especially like the one possession where uh, Hunter catch caught on the block. This is in the second half, and then he hit Terrace, who was kind of cutting around within. The dunker, you know, tip of the rim catches it and lays it in. And, you know, I was reading some of uh, some of Terrace's quotes after the game. And, you know, he talked about the fact that he's learning, you know, hey, when Hunter catches the ball, this is my role. I'm going to have to cut. I'm going to have to play in the dunker. 
And again, this is going to be, again, small sample size. They're going to have to start feeling it, feeling it out with each other, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I think, I think there's potential there. Yeah, I do. It, it's a good problem for Juwan to have because Will Cheddar played really well against Iowa. I thought he brought really good intensity defensively. He was super efficient offensively. He's active on the offensive glass. He's just, I mean, his, he's so pumped up all the time. He's the most pumped up player far and away on Michigan. Like maybe Jace can get a little close, but like Will is just whatever good play. And I love it. It comes from a good, it's a genuine place. Like he's hyped for the game of basketball. I don't think he's doing it in a malicious way, but I think, you know, they, they can use that at times. I don't know if I want to see 25, 30 minutes of it. I think you still have to play Terrence. I think Terrence is solid. I'm going to give Terrence the benefit of the doubt against that Iowa game. I think his hand was hurt. I, I haven't heard much about it. it. The thing was wrapped. He hit a three in the second half, and he grimaced after. And it was, it was his right hand. I think he was a little timid guarding Chris with that with a hurt hand. You know, you got to be physical and handsy with a guy like Chris Murray, and he wasn't to start the game. So Terrence didn't have a, a great game um, against Iowa defensively uh, or offensively, and I'll, I'll chalk it up to that. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. But you got Terrence playing the four. You're not going to play him at the three, really. You got Cheddar, who's going to play the four only. You know, maybe you can play Terrace and Cheddar a little bit, a couple minutes to spell uh, Hunter. But um, you got Hunter playing 39 minutes against Iowa. And you, we, I guess, I don't know how many people play against Northwestern. I don't think he's played enough. Like, if you're going to be winning, the, you know, if you need eight, nine, ten games in the last 14 of this Big Ten play, you need Hunter playing 35-plus minutes. Like, you can't be resting him and just, you know, counting on Terrace. And so they didn't do that against Iowa. But – I think it's good where it's at. I think I don't. I don't think it was 19 minutes that Terrace had. Uh, Will had a good amount of minutes. I think it's good where it's at. I don't think you need to push it beyond that. I think you can kind of play around with it. Like, all right, Terrace is not quite there yet. Let's put Will in, or we'll just go back to Terrence against the Northwestern. They put Terrence in the last couple minutes to be that solid guy, break the press, be solid, hidden free throws. I think he's being flexible with what is working and not just like forcing square pegs into round holes trying to see if it'll fit. So it's a good sign that, you know, he's flexible with it and that it has worked. I mean, I've been super impressed with Terrace overall. Like his activity, he's still making some mistakes and he still, you know, didn't finish against Iowa. That's fine. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there because he, he reversed it against Northwestern. But, I mean, he's not been as this, this active than he has in the last two games. Like his feet are moving. He's staying in front of guys. There was a possession against Northwestern where he – Boo Booey hit a really great shot. It was a tough little uh, bodied little hook runner shot. But Terrace was there. He like went three directions back and forth and stayed in front of him, and, and Boo Boo just hit a tough shot. Stuff like that was not happening at the beginning of the year. So that stuff is – and he, I think he's one of the most – he's getting a hand on all the rebounds. Like some of these guys weren't just getting the hands on him, and maybe he's not the best box outs, but he's coming away with the ball. It's not the prettiest 50-50 uh, ball situation, but he's coming away with it. So – I don't know. They're going to figure it out. My my big concern is that they're going to go to it more and more, and then they're going to rely on zone a lot more. And I really am not liking the zone, Nick. I'm really not liking it. It's just I think their man is fine. I know it's an energy conserver, um, and they got defensive issues. They're trying to figure out any way to stop the other team. But I just don't think that's a – I don't know. Maybe a couple possessions, but the way they've been playing it, I just – I don't like it at all. Yeah, I, I think – a best case scenario, I think you drip feed it a little bit and maybe game by game, give it a couple yeah. of minutes to see. Again, 
if you're struggling with rebounding or if there's matchups that you're not happy with, maybe you give it a try. But I don't, at this point, I don't think you, you know, rewire all the, all the lineups and, and make that kind of your go-to um, unless you're in desperation mode, which I don't think they are. They're not in desperation mode yet. Um, so again, I think, I think it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. You know, they said they've tried this a little bit and, you know, even in the summer, they've, they've kind of worked with this lineup a little bit. Um, so again, something you can go to if, if, if you need, but for now, offensively, especially, I think they're playing so well right now and, and the guards are playing so well. And here, let me say it's about Hunter too. I've got to give Hunter some love. I give Hunter a lot of credit because obviously his scoring is is down right now, but it's not like he's forcing the issue, which a lot of players of his caliber would oh, yeah. do if they weren't getting the shot attempts or the scoring that they're used to. It's hard. If you're used to getting 15 shots a game and scoring 20-plus a game, it's hard mentally to go down to – what was it last game? He was like five, he was like five or six from the field or something – yeah, four A against Yeah, and so team teams are teams are limiting his touches, and so I give him a lot of credit for playing within the system and and being happy for everyone else's success. Obviously, the guards have stepped up a lot, and they're making plays now. They've come a long way, and you can see he's he's happy for everyone. He's not pouting out there. He's making sure that he's doing everything he can to help this team win. So, I want to give Hunter some love because I know. It's not always easy to go through that and maybe sacrifice a little bit of your own numbers, you know, for the team. But again, hey, th- this is how teams are going to play them. You know, it, that's been the scouting report coming in. Make someone else other than Hunter beat you. And teams, I think, are going to continuously go to that. Now, as the guards continue to play better, maybe teams will ease off of that. Yeah. And maybe let Hunter go one a little bit more. But um, definitely got to give Hunter his love for staying within the system and not forcing the issue. Yeah, one quick note I want to make about Terrace. Anybody's watching and pay attention next game. They have not posted him up. They've got, they basically told the guards like, you know, we're not going to post up Terrace. We're we're and and him as well. He'll try and post up a little bit, but now he's just active in ball screens. Like he's getting other people open, running within the offense, and not relying on him to make one on one moves. And I think that's opened him up. That's opened the offense up because he's a big screener now. Doug's got to wait on the screen a little bit. A couple times Terrace is probably definitely leading Michigan in uh, illegal ball screens, but that's fine. Like he's finding his way in the offense by getting other people open and that's opened up their efficiency massively. I mean, if you would have said, you know, three, four or five games in, if Hunter was going to score 10, they'd be anywhere near a game or win. You said, hell no, not a chance, but they like, they have, and I wrote down my notes here, like, they're balanced now. Like they, they have it figured out. Their offense is figured out. They know like we're going to punish people if they're going to do this to Hunter. There's still some things I would like to see more of, like that terrace layup at the end. They haven't gotten a lot of that all year when when Hunter gets doubled. Like somebody in the paint, a big body taking up space. Um, but Hunter's done a really good job. And to your point, he's just he's done a really good job sharing it. He's looking for it. He knows it's coming. And I was kind of I think we were both like, all right, he needs to be posting up closer to the basket more towards the block but he knows now like if i post up at 15 feet they're still coming to double me and that opens up the court even more like i don't know what these teams are doing man they 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 just have a game plan to double him they don't care if he's at 15 17 feet like they're just sending it and he's doing a good job i i want to ask you about 
how to get around that. And, you know, the offense isn't their biggest problem, but they I think this would still even make them more efficient, especially in clutch games and more high-pressure games. They have not posted him up in the middle of the court. And Robbie Hummel, I think – I don't know if it was before or after this play. He was like, you got to post him up in the middle. They're just sending a double every time he's on the block, one, one side of the paint or the other. And they ran a play in the second half. I think it was like seven minutes, eight minutes left. And Doug came off a very high ball screen. It was in the left third of the court. Came off a very high ball screen. And then Hunter ducked into the middle and Doug threw it like from the top of the key right down. And boom, he just turned. There was no double coming because it was impossible. And one little five-footer. You could do that a lot. And I think they actually – I think they're not finding him enough, to be totally honest with you. I think their whole yeah. thing is like don't turn over. I, I think they can find him a little more in roles. And I think he's done a pretty good job of – finding position they're still not finding him you know like these semi breaks are really big possessions for them to find hunter in the post because that's when the defense is the least set so they're then they're least uh, available to send the double so they got to do some quick hitters that way and they've done it before so i don't know i think i think they found that like i don't know where that play came from if that was on purpose if they pulled it out of their butt somehow. They're like, oh, yeah, we should have done this from the beginning. But, I mean, it was perfect. I think you have to still find ways, even though their offense is rolling, I think you still have to find ways to feed and find Hunter for baskets, not only just posting them up from the block and knowing that they're going to send a double and somebody else will shoot it. I don't know what you think. I mean, it's kind of a give or take thing. Like, let it roll, or do we still need to improve on some things? Yeah, it's – well – with, with teams being so quick to double him, it's I think more of his possessions, if they can do it, need to be like these quick duck-ins where you're just, again, he flashes to the high post and you just hit him right away and he goes to work. Because if you're doing this whole telegraph, like dribble it down to the wing and then, yeah. you know, up the fake high and then do the bounce down low, it's like they know what's coming. And as soon as that ball goes to Hunter, they're sending that second guy over there, and that's when the double comes. So it needs to be somewhat spontaneous with these duck-ins. Um, that's my, I mean, that's my only answer to the solution. Otherwise, yeah, teams are just going to – if you're telegraphing the post-up, teams are going to throw two bodies at them. And from the post-ups in the center of the court, it's, the only tough part about that is tough to get an, tough to get a good post pass when you're in the middle. You know what I mean? Because you're not you can't really throw a bounce pass in the middle of the court. So you got to lob it up, and then it's like, I don't know. Do you really want to lob the ball up in the middle of the paint so anyone can go grab? It's just it's kind of an awkward play. But I agree. They need to find they need to find ways to get those kind of quick hitters with him where he can just turn and do a little jump hook that he's so good at. Um, and not necessarily take five, six dribbles and then into it because teams just aren't giving them that much time to go to work. So hopefully that's something that they can watch a little bit of film on and, and make adjustments you know, going forward into these next couple of games. Yeah, to all these points, I want to shout out Juwan and the whole coaching staff and the players. The first possession against Northwestern was a beautiful play. They popped Hunter out to the, to the right wing. And then they ran Kobe this interesting little backdoor play where he ran up from the block, strong side block, same side as Hunter, went up to the top of the key and then immediately cut back door and Terrence sent him a back screen. He actually kind of like looped around Terrence, boom, wide open layup. I don't think they've started with a wide open layup off the first possession all year. I mean, they've had problems executing their first plays. You've seen it where the, the first play in Juwan's like, all right, well, that that's not what I drew up. I don't know what you guys were doing. So they've done a really good job as a whole – executing things, just being one step more efficient, and you're seeing it now. Yeah, they are hitting shots, but 
It is, man. You know, you know how it is. All it takes is one more foot, one more millisecond to be more efficient on a on a cut or a play, um, and it makes all the difference. So, I don't know. I'm just along for the ride offensively with them. We'll see what happens. I have full trust that they'll figure it out, no matter what the other team starts throwing at them, because they've all now they have four real legitimate threats on offense. Not to say Terrence isn't or Terrace or Cheddar, but like they're not. Now they have four like main guys. And that's huge in college basketball. That'll win you tournament games because Kobe going nine for 11, you just never know what's going to happen in one game. You know, Kobe going nine for 11, that could win you a tournament game, like a big Mm -hmm. tournament game. And so this is, it's a lot of fun to watch. Like they're built to win games in the tournament if they can play a little better defensively, if they can get those stops. I do want to talk about, we talked about Hunter and all the other guys, but I want to shout out Kobe and Doug, Doug had his career high against Northwestern. Uh, what was it? 17 points, five assists, two seven. rebounds, three of seven from three, four of four free throws. He was, you know, besides that one, you know, real deep, crazy three in the first half from the left wing. And then they gave like the absolute wide open dunk they gave up. You know, th- those things will happen. Uh, yeah, those guys have been unbelievable. They've done exactly what we thought they could do if you just stuck with it, stayed aggressive. So it's fun to be right, right, Nick? No doubt. No doubt. You can see you can see the confidence you can see the confidence skyrocketing. And I'm glad they're making us they're making us look like we know what's going on because that's all we've been talking about really the past couple of months is this guard play, the pick and roll play, guys need to make shots. Hopefully they took my advice. They've been in the gym, they've been working on their game. Um it looks like it sure looks like they have because every I mean, especially Doug. Again, freshman, he's going through, he's, you know, for the first time playing at this level, there's games probably moving a million miles a second for him. But you can see he's not scared of the moment. He's He's got great touch around the basket. That floater that he has is, is top notch. He's got the speed. He's got the handle. He has the passing ability that we've seen now. So he, he's starting to put it all together. And like I said before, the guard play between Kobe, Doug, and Jet those three, even without Hunter playing well, those three can legitimately win you games against anyone if they're playing like they were these last two. So I'm, I'm encouraged other, about that. Yeah, because the other team has to, like their guards have to be on. Like no matter who they're guarding, they have to be ready. And that's, you've played in games in college, you're like, all right, I'm going to be on 15 over here and he's not doing anything besides shooting four threes a game and I'm not going to let that happen. And like, you like, all right, I know exactly what my defense role is. With this, with these Michigan guards, it makes it just that much tougher for the opposing team. Like they're just that much more tired in the last two minutes, um, yeah. and these things add up. Like they make a big difference. But it was funny we were watching the game, and uh, my wife Chelsea was like, "The ball isn't even in the frame because Doug was shooting it so high." I don't know if you noticed that it was going out of frame. Like only Steph Curry does that. It reminded me of uh, the Noah's Ark, that guy that would come in and test the Ark. Did Beeline do that with you? Oh, yeah. I remember those days. Oh, yeah. Back of the rim and down. Brad, that's what he called it. Like, you want a back of the rim and down. That's the perfect shot. And he had the like, perfect angle. And it's like, you know, who, I don't remember who was talking about it. But like, yeah, Steph Curry, like, breaks all odds because this ball, like, should, it's like going in a, a fair basket. That's how high it's going. That's what he's trying. It looks like that's what he's trying to accomplish. And Doug has that a little bit. But it's been going in when it goes in, and he's been hitting big yep. shots. That's These guys have been hitting big shots. So it's it's – I don't know. It's encouraging. Again, the defensive side of the ball, I think we could talk about their, that forever. They know yeah. exactly what they need to do. Um, you know, I, I, I 
am confused. I want to talk about this before we get into the preview of the next couple of games. It, it's all off ball to me. Like right now, the ball screen stuff is fine. It's I think it's improved. I don't know what the analytics say. I would be interested to see what they say. It's okay. Like the big guys are more active. I think the guards are getting around the ball screens a little bit better. I, I think the help side's still not that great, but it's it's coming off screen. So there's two examples. So we talked about it with Kobe Bufkin, guard, and Sanford in the end. Like you got to stay attached to the hip, especially in those situations. And Kobe knows that. I mean, that's not news to him. But I don't know what their game plan is with guard-to-guard switches. You saw a lot of Northwestern back screens, particular mm-hmm. – it was Doug's man setting a back screen on Jets man and then them not being able to communicate right away. And you just kind of look at each other and you half a second freeze and bam, it's a layup or a three, or you're trying to close out real hard. And it's a, and then it's a drive to the basket off that three uh, fake three. So there's stuff like that where, you know, they, again, they're making, you know, shoring up mistakes, minimizing mistakes, that stuff. It could be either between a layup or, you know, three more missed threes for a team which is huge. And that, that in that Iowa game, that would have been everything. So there's, there's still some things where I think it's on the players now. Like they know, man, like Doug knows guard to guard. Like you got jet there. You got to communicate it. You cannot be lost. Like you got to make that decision. You know, your man's setting up for a ball screen. It's right there. It's like, you've been in that situation. So that stuff has got to be, you know, short up before they start really winning games. If they can make the tournament. Um, but I don't know. I think they can do it overall. Their outlook, they got 14 more games left. They're 10, they have 10 wins now. I mean, to get to 20, let's say they win nine. I think they can win nine or 10 more. I mean, that seems wild, but I think they're fully capable with this Big Ten roster right now. I think it's anybody's chance. Like, any, everybody's beating everybody, basically. And who knows what how Purdue's going to react throughout that Big Ten year. But I don't know what your thoughts are there. Yeah, again, it's – they they have me convinced that they can beat anyone on any given night, but they also have me convinced that they can lose to anyone on any given night. Sure. And that's just the kind of up and down team they've been this year. The only issue is they 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 really lack quality wins at this point. And that's gonna be the issue come tournament time because you need solid wins on your resume to get in when you're this kind of middle of the road team. Um but again, if they string together some more wins and, and finish atop the Big Ten, obviously they're going to put themselves in a good position. It's just on a night-to-night basis, you're not really sure what you're going to get from them. They've been really they've been really unpredictable uh, from that sense. So um, it is anyone's guess at this point how how they're going to finish out this season how they're going to finish out this season. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm going to stay with glass half full. I'm, I'm, I'm yep. still, I'm still going to be positive on them just because they've shown, they've shown that they can do it at a high level, and there's been so much improvement in so many different areas. Uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump ship right now and 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 abandon these guys. I'm rooting for them, and I know they can get it done. I know they can. Yep, we said it last time. I'm glass half full as well. We said it last time. They're showing the improvements. It's just how big they're going to jump in those improvements until tournament time or each week. And if that translates into wins, who knows, but they're, they're, they are improving. They're, they're getting there slowly, but surely. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm glad to have full, especially these next two games. So let's preview the next two games. Let's get right into the scouting report. So on the 19th, they got Maryland again, two, two matchups back to back. They got Maryland again, and then Minnesota three days later, you know, 
immediately in my mind, I went cliche. It was like, all right, good teams prove that they can beat these teams that they should beat twice in a row. Like, that's tough to do. But I'm like, that's, this is every week now. Like, you're fighting for your life every week. I don't care really who's in front of you. It is going to be interesting to see how they match up. I cannot foresee. Let's start with Maryland. I cannot foresee them. It's not going to be 46 to 81 again. I can promise you that. If it is, I'll do the next pod with my shirt off. Like, I, I just can't foresee that happening. So, don't expect that from Michigan. But the last three games, Maryland has lost to Rutgers. They beat then 24-ranked uh, Ohio State. And then they lost to Iowa. So, they've been very up and down as well. Uh, not a good three-point shooting team, 31% from three. They're just not a good three-point shooting team. I do not think that th- our defense was all that great even in that last game. I think they still got wide-open threes. But, like, hey, if that's the game plan, they can't hit threes. But the big key for me now is is Jameer Young. He's had 30 points and 20 points in the last two games. Only three assists. Like, this dude is going after buckets now, and I think that's going to be a big matchup for Doug. He's like, screw it. Like, we're losing. I'm going for buckets. I'm going to be aggressive. So – I think it's going to come down to how they guard him and then just being, you know, be mistake free again, like with both of these teams, it's, you know, let these teams be these teams, right? Like let Minnesota be Minnesota, let Maryland be Maryland, let them not shoot super great, be solid. I don't think they need to do anything special besides exactly what they have been doing. Don't even change up your game plan, play terrorists the 19 minutes, whatever you want to do, keep that defense the same. Um, I just don't see they need anything special than being solid. No, I agree. I agree. And and the blueprint is there. Go back and watch the film from your from the previous games um, when they played against Minnesota and Maryland. You know, at Minnesota, I think that that what stood out for me for that game was the ball screen play. I think that was Doug's first game. Yeah, starting after Jalen after Jalen got hurt um, and. The ball screen efficiency was high in that game, and then guys were making shots, which, again, you can't always guarantee you're going to make shots every night. But um, the ball the, the ball screen heavy diet was working for them against Minnesota, and then the Maryland game that was coming straight off the Central Michigan loss, you know, which yep. was an embarrassing moment for them, and they came out with this energy defensively that changed the game and allowed them to go out to, I think it was like 18, nothing or, or, you know, whatever their start was, it was crazy. Um, so again, you see, I think they seem to come out with that chip on their shoulder and, and not relax because they beat these two teams before go back and really understand what made you successful in those games. And then try to try to execute that again. Um, Again, two very two very winnable games for them uh, moving forward, and you know if they get both those wins, they'll be sitting pretty nice in terms of the Big Ten standings. Which even right now they're still in decent position. Uh, like we said, they were a four point play away from you know being tied for first right now. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's interesting I mean, because even with the beatdown. ESPN's given Michigan like not even a 20% chance of winning this game. So big underdog. I I can't imagine the spread being that crazy three or four, maybe, which is just like what what you give to a home team. So I I don't know. That doesn't seem right to me, especially with Maryland's past and how they beat them down before. I don't know. Maybe that'll give a chip on the shoulder. My my big concern is that, you know, a, a letdown from being comfortable because I really do think that Jameer Young is going to come out like ready. And 
if Doug, we've seen it before, Doug getting foul trouble now in the same game, Hunter got in foul trouble. I can't remember what game that was, but it's not great when any of these guys have to sit out from fouls. Like they need all of them to play and execute, uh, especially from a guard standpoint and a hunter standpoint, just all around. So my big key that I'm one thing I'm focusing on that Maryland game is Jameer Young versus Doug. Um, and then anybody else just giving up stupid fouls from just a lack of focus, but you're on the road. You're, you're automatically more focused, I think on the road. Um, and this team is rolling in, in a good win, in a good way in that sense. So I'm not super concerned. Minnesota, again, let Minnesota be Minnesota. You know, that's at home. You know, you just got to stay focused with everything. Don't let guys go off. I think, yeah, Dawson Garcia had 28 against OSU when they beat OSU. But otherwise, Minnesota's 1-4 in the Big Ten. They haven't beat anybody else. They lost to Nebraska even. Um, so they're just not a good team. And you just got to let, you know, don't play down to them and, and keep the mistakes at a minimum, you know. <laughs> We said it again, Central Michigan. I right, just beat Central Michigan. Well, you know, we learned that it's not that easy. So, but I think the blueprint is there. Like you said, just stick with it. I don't think I'd do anything crazy, but keep developing what you want to develop offensively. Keep working on the stuff that you have from the previous games. I don't know how Maryland and Minnesota are going to play them, but I would imagine it's going to be pretty similar with the doubles and everything. So, I uh, foresee some wins even at Maryland. Like that's kind of crazy, a 20% chance. I would think it'd be at least in the 40s. Uh, just like a slight yeah, underdog, I mean, you know, just being the away team. But seems Vegas, odd. Vegas, Vegas clearly knows something. Or we'll see what Vegas says. That will tell you the real. They have the yeah, intel. Well, so the, this, the, the line. Yeah. When this comes out, the line might be out. Uh, so we'll see. But that's that's odd. Yeah. We're getting stats here from Amir. Appreciate you, Amir. Minnesota's our only road win. That's fair. That's fair, but also, like, you beat the hell out of Maryland and they don't match up well. I don't know. We'll see. 20% is just low. Um, yeah, that's the preview. I got not much else to say. I think it's stay the course, and that's pretty much it. That sums it up, right? I, I don't know if you got anything to add to that. No, stay stay the course. Keep growing. Yeah. We said the blueprint is there. Go ahead and, and review those tapes. I know Coach Beeline would have us doing like, in this situation, like three hours of film a day if, if he could. I know he was uh, uh, following the rules in terms of like the limit on the hours. But again, the proof is in the pudding. Go ahead and watch that film. See what worked, what didn't work, and then continue to execute. Um, game plan is everything in, in these kind of situations. And you got to take care of business, again, especially against a Minnesota team that's struggling right now you got to take care of business and get and get the wins that you know you can get so um we'll see the i want to touch on that a little bit um before we wrap up this segment it felt like when we played a team a second time we did it just as much film study you think it would be all right it'll be the last game no you have to watch we're breaking down exactly what happened last game so maybe you don't have to walk through everything or like practice everything to a T, but you're at least focusing on everything from the last game. And then you're looking at their last three games going like, all right, this is what they've done different. So we have to adjust yeah. for this as well. So it's double duty there in a little bit. Maybe you're not repping out like how we would guard Northwestern, all their crazy offense back then as much the second time, because you've already learned it a little bit, but you have to account for their last three games and what, what new game plans they have. Blah, blah, blah. So there is no letdown from a game plan standpoint when you play a team a second time. Um, you have to remain just as focused and is not simply rolling the ball out and playing like you did the exact last time. Like 
you know, you're not a good coach if you're throwing the same thing out. You lost 46-81 if you're throwing the exact same game plan out. Like, it's just not going to happen. I, I, I mean, no. unless unless I can't even remember who's coaching them, unless he's just terrible and is that confident that that was a fluke and they can beat Michigan playing their, themselves, you got you to gotta adjust something. So they'll be ready for it I, one way or another, um, and they've seen that defensively. I'm not really worried about Maryland's offense too much if you play solid. But, yeah, that was some of my thoughts there. Let's – Let's get into our last segment. We got a good uh, last segment. We got a good one to finish up the episode here, and let's get to word on campus. So this is an easy one, Nick, and it's, it never fails. There's always Michigan football news for us to talk about at all times, and I don't think we've even touched on it really yet. Besides the national, uh, besides the uh, college football playoff, but Harbaugh, as of recording right now, it's like an hour um, apart from him announcing he's coming back to Michigan, and. You know, even when they weren't good, like I went through my time in Michigan, they were all right. They had Denard Robinson, who was fun, but they weren't good. It's still it's still yeah. a huge football school. Now, they, we helped tip that to a basketball school, but, I mean, it's a massive, massive, massive football school. And so any news is news with Michigan. And our ball is just like put fans through the ringer. So, I don't know. That I feel like people have just had a huge sigh of relief. I had not checked social media. I'm staying off of it. I don't even want to look at all like the opinions, but like, you know, th- he's put he's put Michigan through a loop. But I feel like you know that's that's fair game for him, right? Like, all right, I'm going to test the waters and see what's out there. Um, you know, if you're going to pay me more, fine. But huge news for Michigan. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, it's his right to to explore other options, as it should be for anyone in his in in his position. Um, but I think, you know, he's, he's put this program in a good place after struggling for, for some years, having, there was a lot of down years where they were just an underwhelming team. And, um, you know, this was definitely a year where I think we all felt like they had a, they had a legitimate chance to win a national championship. And, you know, they just, they fell short to a TCU team that, again, we, I guess we're a bunch of schmucks here who don't know what we're talking about because we definitely didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'm ex- if he is coming back, I'm excited for him to kind of continue building on this and keep the program on the up. Um, Michigan, the University of Michigan is a better place when their football team is doing well. So um, I, I don't ever want there to be any like rivalry between Michigan basketball and Michigan football and who has the spotlight. I think we should all no. – celebrate each other's success and be happy for each other so um to me that's that's great news he's coming back you know he's 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 one hell of a personality and coach and character so uh, i'm sure he'll i'm sure he'll keep things interesting and entertaining for us as we continue to to do word around campus segments it's it's i've mentioned this throughout the years before but it's so funny to watch like his journey through the ups and downs and the, I'll say it, pretentiousness around the football program, like the expectation that they should be winning every year and competing against Ohio State and winning a national championship, like living in the lore of Lloyd Carr, it's not fair. And it's so hard to find a good coach, like a solid coach that you know. Not enough teams in college and basketball and football say, all right, we'll be good for like, four or five years, and then once every six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, we'll, like, make a really good run. That should be cherished a lot more than it is, and especially with how close Harbaugh was getting and, like, you have to let guys develop a program. When they were calling for him, like, 
They wanted Les Miles to come in a few years ago. They wanted somebody else from somewhere. I can't remember a, a year or two after that or even before that. Like, shut up. Just shut up. Like, he's a really good coach. And he's proven his ability to be successful at Michigan. And, like, good luck then starting all over. Like, when you change a coach, it can put a program back years. Like, if recruits don't like your new coach, if you hire the wrong guy, like, you're, you're, you're building momentum when you keep a coach. And you can cut that at the knees when you change. So it just – it's so funny to see, like – what has happened ever since people like calling for his job and now they're like begging him to come back and they're like bashing ward manual for not negotiating. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you can, nobody's going to be happy here, but the fact is he should be Michigan coach for as long as he wants, unless like, he just, I don't know, loses his mind and tanks the program for like four years straight, but like that's not going to happen. So I don't know. It's good to see. It's fun to see. I think when you recognize when the football team gets built up, it helps the basketball team as well. In this instance, like if they can, you know, build up that brand awareness for top recruits, I think it's huge all in all. Uh, Cause you know, it's not easy going to snow or going to school in the snowy Michigan winter. So you need as much brand awareness as you possibly can for success. So I think it's good. It's good to see that. And who knows, we'll be back in the same carousel next year, but uh, for now everyone can breathe a sigh of relief to say the least. Yeah, for sure. And um, who knows, maybe Michigan's given him a, a bigger bag now that he's returning. He might have said, hey, you guys want me back? You got to put your money where your mouth is. So good for him, man. I'm always I'm all for people securing the bag. Yeah, 100 percent. They, I always got those emails like donate to Michigan. I'm like, get out of my face. You guys have more money than God. You can figure out a way to pay for your own things and you can now figure out a way to pay for whatever. Jim's demands are, you know, with assistant coaches and strength, whatever the, whatever the case is, well, you know, people getting more money for himself or for others. So they'll figure it out. They're always, uh, they always try and be a little stingy with it. Um, but it's, it's good to see that they are moving in towards a direction where it's like, all right, you want to be a top eight program? Like you got to start paying that Alabama money, you know, like you got to start giving it up. So it's fun. Great news for Michigan all in all. Football, basketball is looking good. I am real excited. I mean, about as excited as I have been to continue watching Michigan basketball, see them develop. They're just fun overall, but it's cool to see all these guys get better, like top to bottom. Like everyone that's been playing, you've seen them slowly get better. So I'm excited for the next week. We'll be back a week after that. Nick, you got anything in closing before we get out of here? No, I'm I'm excited for them. It's a big week ahead. Again, nothing out of the ordinary in terms of, you know, to most people, these might not be big games, but I think these are two big games for them. Because, again, I think if they get these two wins, it puts them in a very good place in terms of the Big Ten standings. Um, And like I said, you have to win the game. You have to win, not not, not saying these are easy wins, but you have to win the games where you're not the huge, huge underdog. And again, I, I understand they're underdogs against Maryland. I don't know why. I, maybe they know something we don't. But to me, these are two winnable games that they should take care of business um, if they continue to play how they did against um, in these ones, how they did the first two games. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm staying positive on them. Again, it's a big half full. Glass half full, baby. Glass half full. All right, let's do it. We're glass half full. 
that wraps up our episode. Uh, as always, you can find us on socials um, beyond big 10. That is beyond big in words and then one zero. So beyond big 10, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, our YouTube channel, beyond big 10 YouTube channel, where you can watch us video wise. Um, you know, as always tweet at us. Uh, we'll have our, I think we'll have our ads up there. I think we've said it before, but we'll have our ads on Twitter up there for, for all the links. Um, tw- any questions you have about Michigan basketball, not Michigan basketball, whatever you have, we'll answer. We love to do a question segment on the pod if we have enough. Um, but yeah, we appreciate all of you listening. We'll be back next week for the next two games. We're looking forward to it. Appreciate all you guys listening. You've been great. So thank you. Until next time, see ya. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.